Hey, this is Pastor Jeff Workmeister of Elevate Church, and welcome to our podcast. I want to thank you for listening today. I hope this inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the podcast. Well, good morning. Oh, that was sad. I said, good morning. I know you're all thinking about the 10 inches that are coming tomorrow. Who's ready for more snow? You're like, more snow. Who's ready for the heat of summer? Oh, thank you. Yes. In Jesus' name. Unfortunately, I think we have a week coming. I think we have snow on Thursday, too. What is going on? I do not live in Michigan anymore. I rebuke this snow in Jesus' name. I left, I left the devil in Michigan, okay? So, hey, uh, today we are going to talk about marriage and relationships, and uh, I am uh, building an office down in my basement. We have some unfinished area. I'm building an office, and so we're going through, and I'm going through a bunch of my old stuff, and I came across some old pictures. You want to see some old pictures of me and Jess? Okay, real quick, we'll go through them, okay? Look at that. <laughs> hey, look at that. Come on. Oh, man. Look at that. Oh, look at that right there. That, that was the day before we got married. Everybody go, oh. Look at that. Why I have a wristband on? I don't know. Sweatband? I mean, what was it like? Like, Oh, two, you know? Iverson was rocking them. Look, hey, hold on, keep it up. Look at that kid right there. That is Matthew Chenoweth, Pastor Matt Chenoweth right there. How old are you, Matt? Seven? Seven or nine, okay, well, yeah. <laughs> well, happy uh, Valentine's Day. I hope you have a great day. And uh, to everybody that's not here and skipped, we bless you in Jesus' name. Um, I know that when I talk about marriage, um, that there's sometimes these moments where you're like, well, I'm not in that season. Maybe you're young and you're not there yet. That's okay. Or maybe you're like, I was once married and I'm just not in that season. So I say to everybody this, listen, if you were once married, we understand, and, and you never know. You may once marry again, okay? And that's a great thing, okay? Um, listen, as long as you got breath in your lungs, God has a plan, amen, okay? And if you're young, it's an opportunity to learn and to grow and to think about that day that's coming, amen, Adam? Amen, amen. We're prophesying, 21, man, it's a year, she's coming, don't shout me down, Adam, come on, I was praying for you the other day, I was praying for your wife the other day, come on, so it's going to be, um, it's going to be a great, great day, um, I really believe this, there is nothing more important and more impactful that you can do for your kids than to show them not a perfect marriage, because perfect marriages don't exist. I tell people when they come to our church, perfect churches don't exist, and perfect marriages don't exist, okay? But you can have a marriage that is rooted 
in the love of Jesus Christ and rooted in being committed to one another and showing your kids that kind of marriage is the most important thing that you could ever do for them, okay? They need to see healthy, not perfect, but healthy, godly marriages, amen? And so we're gonna look at that today. Go with me to Revelations chapter two. Revelations chapter two. We'll have it on the screen if you don't have a Bible with you today. Revelations chapter two. I know, man. He, no, he, he is good. He is shouting me down. He is in agreement. He's like, I love my mom and dad. They have a good, healthy marriage. They made me. Come on. I love him. Verse one says this. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I know all the things you do. I've seen you work hard and you have your patient endurance. I know that you don't tolerate evil people. You've examined the claims of those who say they are apostles, but they are not. You have discovered that they are liars. You have patiently suffered with me without quitting. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you first did. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works that you first did. What Jesus is saying is this. You were once crazy, passionately in love with me. And I understand, he's talking to a church, and he goes, I understand you're a good church, and you don't tolerate evil, and you're actually, you know, pushing away the darkness, and you're really standing with me, and you haven't given up, and you haven't quit. And that's what I really believe, that we're, we're one of those churches today, that we're not giving up, we're not quitting, we're pushing back the darkness, we're pushing back the evil. But then he says, listen, I want to talk to you, because you once had this really passionate crazy love for me. And I want you to think about when you first met your spouse. Those like first weeks, the first butterflies. Man, I saw a picture of young Jake Denman. Woo! Hairless. I'm like, where's all the hair? And when you first meet somebody, man, you're, you just, it's like your brain explodes. You're like, I am so in love with this person. I want to spend every moment with this person. I want to be with this person. I want to share my life with this person. And really, these are kind of the same feelings and emotions when we come to Jesus first. When I first came to Jesus and I actually realized his grace and his love and his mercy abound to me, it was like, it was like fireworks going off in me. I mean, I talk about it all the time. When I first got saved, we had the, the sanctuary that I got saved at. We, I was a big 5,000-seat sanctuary, and it was open 24 hours a day, and you could come pray at any time. I would find myself at the sanctuary all the time. It'd be like, it's Friday. And back in the day, it was Friday. You know what Friday, man, okay? And I wasn't with that kind of crowd on Friday anymore. I was at the sanctuary, because I just loved the presence of God. I loved being with him. I loved the way that he made me feel. So this is what Jesus is talking to this church about. And in your mind, you're probably thinking, well, how does this relate to marriage? Okay, well, it relates this way, okay? Jesus never intended for your spouse to be your source, 
Okay? But the problem is this. When we're not in love with Jesus, like Jesus is talking about in Revelations, it means this. It means that our love is redirected to our spouse and we're hoping and desiring for our spouse to fulfill us. Well, the problem is that Jesus never intended for that. Jesus intended to be your joy, your peace, your strength, your identity, okay? So when that is right, then you can be a good spouse. But when it's not right, when that's off, then you're looking for your spouse to fulfill that, which they will always fail you. So today, we're gonna talk about seven keys, okay? Seven things that if we'll do this in our marriage, we'll have success, Seven things that the enemy will attack your marriage, okay? Seven things that we need to be aware of as God is working in our marriage, amen? Okay, so number one is this. Jesus is the source. Genesis chapter one, verse 27, it says this. Verse 27 says, so God created human beings in our image. Whose image? The image of the triune God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, okay? We are created in his image. We are created perfectly in his image, okay? This is why the whole transgender thing really bothers me, okay? We are not created in confusion. We are created in the perfect image of God the Father, the Holy Spirit, Jesus the Son, okay? It says, in the image of God, he created them male and then he created them female. So what is God saying? I chose who you are. I did, because I'm the creator. I'm the author of life. And as the author of life, I choose who you are, okay? So I need you to understand something. God is our creator, and it means this. He knows you better than your spouse. He knows you better than your spouse, okay? Um, this year was um, our son Michael's first year of basketball, first year of varsity, not basketball, varsity basketball. And uh, we went into the year, and we were really, really excited, first year of high school basketball, and had a bunch of expectations. Have you ever had that with your child before, had that moment with your kids, and you're like, you're looking forward to something, you're excited about something, and and uh, how do you know that a lot of times things just don't always go the way you thought they were going to go, right? It's just life, okay? Um, and I'm learning to have not a lot of expectations sometimes in life, and that's okay. Like, I have over-expectations sometimes, okay? And not that he has failed, not that we're frustrated with him. I don't want anybody to get that kind of idea. We're very happy with him. We're very pleased with him. But the year just hasn't been what we thought. And the interesting thing is this, that me and Jess, we can talk and talk and talk and talk about this. But what's interesting to me is that two weeks ago when I got into the presence of the Lord, the Lord goes, I want to talk to you about this. Why? Because he knows me. He knows why things are going on in my head. He knows what's going on in my heart. He knows my emotions. He knows my upbringing. And he actually, he brought me back to a moment that when I was young, playing basketball. God knows you. He created you. 
And he is created to be your source of comfort, your source of security, your source of strength, your source of life. God has created you to you to be close to him. Can I get an amen? Okay, so the first thing we have to have in a really healthy marriage is that we have to have spouses that are connected to Jesus. Does that make sense? Now, the problem in a lot of marriages is this. One is really connected to the Lord and the other one isn't. Does that make sense? Okay, and then we get out of balance. Okay, because we have one making decisions not a couple making decisions. Does that make sense? Like God doesn't see you as separate individuals. He sees you as one, okay? So both of you have to be strong in the things of the Lord and have your own vibrant, real relationship in Jesus Christ, amen? Amen. Okay, number two is this. Yes, 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 wrong priorities, okay? Yes, 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 wrong priorities, Okay? There's so many times we never stop and ask the Lord, is this the right thing for my family? Okay? Now listen, I grew up in church where it was like, hey, where are we going uh, for lunch? Now, I wanted to always go to, I think it was called um, Ponderosa. Anybody remember Pondo? Okay, can I get an amen for Pondo? They had some, uh, they had some steak tips and chicken fingers and ice cream and you know what I mean like I was a I was a pondo boy yes Christian's like we're going today we're finding one okay hey two one all right (laughs) we're going all right so to me it wasn't even a question okay but I like grew up in church where it was like where are we going to lunch and it was like hold on let me pray about this for a second you know what I mean let me hear from the Holy Spirit okay I'd be like what's the Holy Spirit have to do with ponderosa Okay. Or how about the Sizzler? Anybody remember the Sizzler? What I'm saying is this. I think there's too many times in life right now where life is spinning so fast that we fail to ask the Lord, Lord, is this the right thing for my family? You're on social media, you're looking at somebody else's family, you're looking at somebody else's life, you're comparing, contrasting, and you're thinking, oh, we really need that for our family. And we don't even take a moment to go, God, is this the right thing for us? Is this the right thing for our children? Lord, is this too much for our life? Because I see this all the time, okay? And I understand, like, we are sports people, okay? And we, we're like finishing out a really heavy, heavy season. But I'll, I'll talk about that. I'll come back to that. Because the reality is that too many times we have too many people who are just so deep into sports, dance programs, gymnastics, drama, band, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And what does that mean? We are always running. From morning till night, we are always running and never stopping him because we never stop. The enemy knows this. He's going to eat up your time so that you have zero time with your spouse. Right? Back to the busyness. Listen, I understand there's going to be seasons in time. Like we just had a season 
Michael was playing basketball. Ben was playing basketball. The church is really busy. We have a season where it's extremely busy, but we also understand things like this. As soon as this season is over in a couple weeks, Michael could go and play for an AAU team, right? And most parents would think, yes, that's the right thing because we gotta keep him in shape and we gotta keep him going and we gotta keep ahead of the curve and we gotta get him ready for the next season. And we would even ask the Lord, Lord, is this the right thing? Because I know for us, the Lord said, no, it's not the right thing. I need you to have a break. I need your family to have a break. So we went to the Sabos, beautiful Sabos house the other night. Chelsea made wonderful food. She made chicken, mashed potatoes, and this homemade cheesecake. Unbelievable. Everybody needs to go to her house for dinner sometime, okay? And, and I'm like, I'm just in high heaven. I mean, like, just high heaven. She's like, why are you like, I, she had this look like, why are you so happy? And I was like, listen, we haven't ate at home in like 60 days, okay? And she was like, no. I'm like, yes, okay? It's real, okay? We're just so busy right now. It's just that season. But I know that I need seasons coming where we sit down as a family. We gather as a family. So if you are constantly running, constantly going, never asking the Lord, is this the right thing? Is this the right thing for my kids? Listen, let me tell you this. Let me, let me be real, real clear. None of your kids are going pro in anything, okay? All right? I love you all, and if they do, send us a check to Elevate Church, all right? Okay? But we run our kids like they're the next Kobe, they're not. And we got to show them that sometimes we need to have the right priorities. We need to say no to some things. We need to make decisions together. Husbands and wives make decisions together with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit knows the future. Remember what Jesus said? I'm sending the Holy Spirit to teach you about what? The future. So sometimes the Holy Spirit's going to go, I know you really want this, but it's not the best thing for you and your family. Amen. Number three is this, broken money, broken money. See, when we have the wrong priorities in life, when we don't have godly priorities and we don't have God leading and guiding our life and our priorities, the enemy will do what? The enemy will spend your money to keep you broke, right? And what do broke people do? They run to unhealthy habits, right? And when we have unhealthy habits, it keeps us what? broke, okay? And the enemy, one of the greatest desires that he has for marriages is to keep your family broke, okay? It's probably one of the top three things that I counsel people about, fighting constantly about money because they don't know how to manage their money. They, they're just broke all the time. So when we have wrong priorities in life, when we don't have Holy Spirit-led priorities, when we've overcommitted to too many things, what happens is this, the enemy keeps us broke because we're constantly chasing, right? And so I remember when me and Jess, we were house poor. I don't know if you've ever been house poor before. It's not fun, okay? Not at all. 
I remember we had Michael and we had Ben and we were living in this apartment and I remember Jess just wanting a house so badly and I wanted to give her a house and I wanted to give our kids a house but financially we weren't there just yet but I remember Jess called me one day and she was like, hey, there's this house in this cute little neighborhood and this lady will rent it to us and let, let, come on, let's, let's take this step. And we, we went and we met with her that night and, and we, you know, you're just so excited. You don't ask God, you don't ask his opinion, you don't ask the Holy Spirit and you find yourself just signing the lease that night. You're like, we have a house. And then you get your first like water bill because you live in a township and not the city. And your first water bill is $400. And you're like, oh, Jesus, I don't like water this much. Water is not worth $400, okay? Right? And then you start, you know, making those payments. And, and, and you all understand that having a house comes with a lot of commitment. And all of a sudden, we found ourselves really, really quickly house poor. Or how about car poor? I've been there. Anybody been there before? Got to have a new car. Got to have the car, the right car, the car that you want. All of a sudden, you're making payments. I remember we were making payments, $480 a month on this red GT Jetta. Okay? No family needs a Jetta. We'd come home from Christmas Michael would be in the back and there's bags and there's clothes and there's presents and we can't even see our child in the back. But we got a red GT Jetta, y'all, okay? Car poor. Or how about your things poor, right? You're like, I need that thing, right? And what is it? It's all self-inflicted because your priorities are wrong. And the enemy just knows how to keep broke. And when you're broke, this means what? You have no money for your marriage. You got no money for your spouse. You got no money for dates. You got no money for anything. You're just trying to survive. Malachi 3, verse 8 through 10 says this. Should people cheat God? Yet you've cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You've cheated me of the tithes and the offerings due to me. I love that God doesn't say, like, you cheated me of the tithes and offerings that are mine. He said, they're due to me. Why? We're called to give back to God. Like, when I give, it is not me going, God, I'm doing this for you. It's like, God, I'm returning this back to you. God, you gave this to me, and I'm returning this back to you. Verse 9 says, you are under a curse. I don't want to be under any curse. But I'll tell you what, me and Jess, we were under lots of curses financially because we wouldn't put the Lord first. Verse 10, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there'll be enough food in my temple. If you do this, the Lord says, I will open up the windows of heaven. I will pour out blessings so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Can I get an amen from anybody? Okay, and I love this. He says, put me to the test. He says, listen, do things financially my way. Put me to the test. Let me prove. And what is he going to show you? He's going to show you two things. He's going to show you, number one, when you put the Lord first financially, you're going to be blessed. I just don't know anybody that 
tithes and gifts that are, isn't blessed. I literally don't know anybody, okay? And it means this, you don't live under a curse. Because why? He rebukes the devourer. See, I'm not car poor anymore, okay? I have a 2009 Honda Pilot that is paid off. Okay? A couple years ago, my engine actually failed, transmission actually failed. Bill and Etta were super kind. They helped me find uh, their neighboring um, shop next to them. They had an extra uh, engine and transmission. And, we, and, and instead of buying a new car, we just put in a new engine and transmission. And this is what the guys at this company, at this place said. They said, they said the rest of your car, it feels like it's like brand new. Why? Because the Lord rebukes the devourer off of my stuff, right? So my cars last longer, my washer and dryers last longer. First Peter chapter five, verse seven. Casting your cares. Okay, now look at this. Look what it says. All your anxieties, all your worries, all your cares. So what does this look like? This looks like somebody who is talking to God. Somebody that is in a regular conversation with God. An ongoing. When you're talking about anxieties, worries, and concerns, these are the things that you would talk to a best friend about. These are the things you would talk to your spouse about. This is an ongoing conversation that you are having with the Lord about, hey, this is what I'm stressed out about. This is what I'm worried about. This is what I got fear about. This is what I have anxiety about. It says, once and for all. Did you see that line? Once and for all casting them upon the Lord for he cares about you, okay? So this is a picture of you in prayer talking to the Lord about this unexpected bill that's brought pressure into your home. And you go, Lord, I don't know how we're gonna pay for this, but you're really good and you're a really good father and I'm putting you first financially and so you're gonna help me do all things through you in Christ Jesus, amen? And then what does that mean? You just leave it there. You just leave it there. Forget about it. Why? Because you gave it to him. You let it go. And I know that this is such an odd perspective. Like, I, I think what happens is this. We come into, like, church on Sunday morning, and we have this encounter with the Holy Spirit. We have this encounter with his love. And we have this encounter with his grace. And we're like, God, here it is. Here it is. And then you walk out, and you're like, on your way out, you're like, I'll take that back, God. I'll take back that pressure. I'll take back that anxiety. I'll take back all those thoughts. And you get into the car, and stress builds, and the arguments come. And you're like, how do you know this, Pastor Jeff? Because I did it. And so do it. Why we stress? We go back to the first point. Jesus isn't our source. When Jesus isn't our source, then we have to carry it. God never intended for us to manage and carry everything. And when we're stressed out, it will do some crazy things to you. Okay? Like you will get tired. 
Can I get an amen? You'll get sad. Okay? I see you, I see you on Facebook. Okay? Okay? You'll get out of control addictions. Like you'll eat too much. You'll have alcohol issues, social media issues. Right? Because you're building up stress that you're not giving to the Lord. And when all this happens, what does it ultimately lead to? Communication breakdowns in your marriage. So what happens is you get short, you get quiet, you get angry, you get tunnel vision about your perspective, and it breaks down all the communication in your life. Number five is this, I gotta hurry. Is this, compatibility. Compatibility. When me and Jess first got married, I thought, this was my thought. You do you, I'll do me, and we'll meet up in the bedroom. Right? I mean, that's 23. Come on. That's some grace. All right? But the reality is a lot of times, this is how we live life. We're like, you do your life, I'll do my life, and we'll kind of meet in the middle. Right? We'll meet at the kids' games. We'll meet at this birthday party. We'll meet up for, you know, a romantic day on Valentine's, right? One time a year, right? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, it says this, For wives, this means being supportive to your husband like you are tenderly devoted to the Lord. Verse 25 says, And to husbands, this means you are to demonstrate love to your wife in the same tender devotion that Christ demonstrates to us, his bride, for he died for us, sacrificing himself. So what does this mean? It doesn't mean two separate people living two separate lives and just meeting in the middle. It means this, we learn how to be compatible with each other, okay? So a few years ago, I learned something about my wife. She really loves going to Home Goods on Fridays, right, okay? I would rather cut myself, right? No, no, it's not, no, no, right, okay? But I need to do what? Spend time with my wife. So I learn to die to myself, right? Can I just be real? And I learn to enjoy going to Home Goods and Target and at home and whatever home store there is out there in the world, right? Because she doesn't even necessarily want to buy anything. Okay, just come with us on a Friday. You'll see her just touch everything, okay? She just <laughs> touches, feels, touches everything, okay? And she just wants to do this. And she just wants me with her. Right? I'm learning to be compatible with her. I'm learning to do things with her. We talk about this all the time. Like, the scariest thing is this. The kids grow up, they move out, and then we look at each other and we go, we have no relationship. We don't know how to do life together anymore. Right? This is something you learn. You learn to be compatible with each other. Number five is this, no romance. Date nights. Look at your spouse right now. Say date nights. Okay? Oh, come on. Say date nights. Say Pastor Jeff said date nights. Don't give me, we're too busy. Don't give me, we don't have any time. You make time for what you care about. 
right? You made time for the Super Bowl last Sunday, right? Listen, I understand busy, hectic schedules. That's why I have the next five months of date nights on my calendar. I need romance. She needs romance. We need to spend time taking care of each other's love languages. Do you know your spouse's love language? You need to know your spouse's love language. Read the book, Gary Chapman. Download the book. Listen to the book, okay? Love language, you gotta get it. So what is, what is romance? Romance is doing something for your spouse that doesn't mean anything to you. Okay, let me give you an example. So yesterday, Jess spent the day with her sisters, okay? Now listen, Saturdays are really busy for me, right? Okay, Saturdays are really tough. I'm getting ready for Sunday. I'm getting my mind ready for Sunday. I'm getting my heart ready for Sunday. Saturdays are just really, really busy days for me. But her sister had a whole day planned and she wanted to be with her sister. So what does that mean? That means that I have to take care of our boys yesterday. We had Ben's basketball game during the day. Then I had to run here for a couple hours, come back home, right? Get Michael to his basketball game up in Troy. Busy, busy day. What else did that mean? It meant this. Luke lost a tooth yesterday, y'all, okay? We're in the car, and Luke bites into a cookie, and his front tooth goes sideways, and it's still there, and it's bleeding, okay? And he's bleeding all over his face and his hands and on his shirt, okay? And so I get him home, you know what I mean? I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Of all the days to lose a tooth, today's the day to lose a tooth. And I get these wipes and I'm like cleaning up the wipes. I'm like, here I am. I try like pulling on the tooth, it doesn't come out. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. He's crying and snotting. Yeah, uh, finally, I'm like, I gotta get this tooth out. In Jesus' name, I get it out. I get done, and I, I promise you, I'm as white as a sheet. Okay, I'm sweating, and I'm like, Michael, take care of your brothers, cause I'm gonna go die right now. Okay, <laughs> right? Why, why do you do that? Because I'm giving a romantic gesture to my wife. Have the day off. Go be with your sisters. I'll take care of things. Even though this is a crazy day already for me on Saturdays, I'll add to the crazy to make sure that you feel romantically loved. Amen? Amen. Number six is this. It's a bad sex life. Listen, when Jesus isn't first, when your priorities are wrong, your money's broken, you're stressed, you're not compatible, you're not spending time with each other, and there's no romance, I probably guarantee you that you have a non-existent sex life. And this is never what God intended. Okay, God intended sex for what? Intimacy, okay? It brings a couple together, bringing intimacy. It brings quality time. It relieves stress, okay? You feel close to one another. You feel security, and it's fun. Listen, I used to tell my youth kids all the time, listen, I know that this isn't the season for this right now, but I'm telling you all, it's fun, okay? Because I grew up in church that made sex out 
to be like, oh, we never talk about that, <laughs> right? We all grew up in church like that, right? The word sex came up, you're like, oh my gosh, what did pastor say? There is something terribly wrong today. That is such an awful thing, right? We all grew up like that, okay? It's not. It's great. God designed it, right? You need it, okay? Healthy marriages have sex a lot, I promise you. And the ones that don't, I guarantee you, everything I just listed off is happening in their marriage, right? Number seven is this. Worship team, you guys come on up. Is bitterness and unforgiveness. Colossians chapter three, verse 13. Make allowances for each other's faults. You just need to like write that into your phone. Like make allowances for my spouse. Make allowances for their faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. The Amplified Version says this. Bearing graciously with one another, willingly forgiving. Okay? The passion says this. Tolerate the weaknesses. Forgive one another in the same way that you have been graciously forgiven by Jesus Christ. If you find fault with somebody, release the same gift of forgiveness to them. Your spouse will disappoint you. Your spouse will make mistakes. Your spouse will do things that you don't like and appreciate. Your spouse is different. They grew up in a different home. They grew up in a different world. Okay, when you come together, I'll never forget that, like coming together. I didn't grow up with sisters. And then I remember looking in the bathroom and being like, there's makeup everywhere. Why, God? How, God? The word says, make allowance. Be proactive to be like, you know what? My spouse is gonna make a mistake but I'm gonna build up love in my heart. I'm gonna build up love from the Father, Jesus Christ, and I'm gonna have allowance and grace stored up for when they make mistakes. 